Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to the Pokes cast. I'm Ryan Thorburn, the Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune. You can follow all of my coverage at trib.com. Follow me on Twitter at by underscore Ryan Thorburn. Uh, bringing back the legends of Laradice to uh, talk a little football and basketball. Rob Jarosh, Brett Hansen. Welcome back, guys. Brett, congratulations on your new gig with the D-backs. And uh, thanks for joining from Phoenix. Hey, thanks for having me back. Still listen, even though I hadn't been participating in many of these. You do a great job with this, and it's always an honor to talk Polk Athletics with you guys. Well, it's been a while since uh, we had Brett on, Rob, and uh, you guys were both at the Arizona Bowl, so I figured we'd start with football. Uh, it's a never-ending news cycle with college football, as we know, and uh, fortunately for Wyoming, they're not suing the NCAA like most of these Power 5 schools or dealing with massive uh, portal due to a coaching change. Uh, like uh, my daughter goes to Boston College. They just lost their coach, what, yesterday or two days ago, um, which is insane in February. So uh, pretty smooth transition so far with Jay Savell. Uh, Brett, I'll start with you. I mean, what was your impression of the transition of power from Craig Bull to Jay Savell and Obviously, they sent Craig out with a nice win at the Arizona Bowl. But, you know, when you look at the portal and who's returning and uh, the hires he's made, I, I think from a stability standpoint, as we've talked about, I think I don't think you can get much better than what's going on right now. No, I love it to maintain the consistency and to prevent the mass exodus of players leaving the portal. I thought it was brilliant to put him into that spot and you saw what happens and program from Wyoming. Let's face it. You just want consistency. You want to create what they've got going there. Craig Bull did that in his time there and it put left it at a great place and whatever you can do to keep that momentum going, bring in some new pieces. And I think you really saw that without a lot of guys leaving and that really helped. And I think it was a brilliant plan by Tom Berman just to do that and keep things where it's at. Rob, you were at the Nevada basketball game. Jay came out, grabbed the mic. Uh, brought the bronze boot out, which is always a smart move. Uh, would have been nice if they would have brought it back out for the, the Colorado State game the next weekend, or at least after that game, bring it on the court during the when the students were rushing the, the court. But uh, he basically, here's what you're hoping if you're a Wyoming fan. This is how I kind of see Jay. He's a lot like Craig Bull. You know, he's a defensive guy. Uh, he's an old school guy to a certain degree. He's one of the Mountain Union guys, they have an impressive list of coaches that have come from that program. But he's a lot younger than Craig Bull. He's uh, our age, basically, and he, I think, is more of a player's coach. And I know that he knows that they need to take it up several levels with the passing offense. So you might get a lot of what people loved about Craig Bull and maybe some new stuff and – you know, going back to that speech you made at halftime, Rob, his goal is simple, graduate all the players and win the Mountain West Championship. 
I was excited to to listen to him speak. I mean, he seems like a motivational kind of guy. He's got a lot of energy. It seems like from what I've seen so far, um, the players really seem to like him. And that was the the guy that the players wanted uh, hired when when Coach Bowl left. So I think, I mean, I think all the places, all the pieces are in place. I really like the hires. We talked on the last podcast that I did about the Jay Johnson hire, which um, I still think is a fantastic hire. Um and, st- and I stand behind it. He's really, really good at developing quarterbacks. And Savell said that was the main, the main focus of his search for offensive coordinator. But I think sort of some of the the, the lesser publicized hires like um, Petrino coming back and the elevation of, of Bowl to um, the defensive coordinator. I just think those are great hires. I think they say a lot about um, what it means to coach at, at Wyoming, especially with, with people that want to stay or want to come back. And so I, I think he's the right guy, and I'm really, really excited to see what happens next season. Returning nine uh, starters on defense. Can't wait to see what Evans Svoboda can do with Whaley coming back. I mean, I think the sky's the limit with this team. Yeah, I think you make a great point. I mean, Aaron Bull has never been a coordinator, obviously, but he grew up in Craig Bull's house. So just that alone over breakfast, you're going to learn a lot about defense. And then obviously he's done a terrific job as the full-time linebackers coach, uh, developing really talented guys and NFL guys. Uh, I think that's going to continue with Shea Suyanoa coming back and, and moving to middle linebacker and trying to follow that legacy. Uh, to my point earlier about, you know, Jay Savell being a little bit different than Craig, he announced uh, the other day that uh, the practices on April 6th and April 13th, spring football practices will be open to the general public. Uh, those will be in Laramie. And then the uh, spring game, obviously, April 27th in Cheyenne will be open to the public. So um, I I love that. I mean, spring practice, you're not game planning for anybody. You're not scripting plays. You're not designing trick plays. Let let the fans come out and the media, you know, to pass the message on to the fans and get a look at the team and, and tell stories about what you're seeing. And uh, I know, Brett, uh, you know, you're you're working for the D-backs. I mean, there's nothing better than spring baseball, you know, Cactus League stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll help generate more interest in the program. And, you know, they're coming off a year where they set an attendance record at the war. So uh i am loving that approach not just because uh i get to see it as a media person love the new creative ways to promote a program um and then also are we going to get names on the back of the jerseys i know that's a topic that's always discussed have you ever heard anything about that but open that stuff up to the public heck even webcast one of those games for the people that can't make it you know it just it's free publicity and a chance to sell more tickets and gain more interest yeah, I think he's TBA on names on the back. His initial uh, reaction, he was asked about that this spring or this after taking the job was probably not because he likes Bull's tradition of keeping the uniforms the same and just the tradition of the whole thing. Uh, my guess is eventually they'll have him on the back. We'll see. Um, but he did say on the road he would like all whites, white tops, white pants. Uh, that's a good look. He'd like that at least once. Mm-hmm. I, you know, sticking with you, Brad, I mean, a good time to do that. I know the sun won't be out at kickoff, but at Arizona's state is going to be so hot. Bring out the white unis. Um, Evans Foboda, you were, saw him live. Uh, he was on the game winning drive, obviously, after Peasley got hurt. 
at the Arizona Bowl. You watch all the games. You've seen some of his arm talent. How excited are you to uh, see him kick off his career as the starter at Arizona State in August? Yeah, I want to, I'm excited to see him use that arm a little bit more. You know, you saw when he came in for that one play at UNLV, what he did, what he was able to do at Texas, um, you know, mix up the pass with the run. And, um, you know, I've talked to a couple of high school guys down here who followed the high school game, and they've always said he's kind of been a diamond in the rough and a guy that they couldn't wait to see what happens. And I said, here's your chance, August 31st in Sun Devil Stadium. And um, there's going to be a lot of Wyoming fans there, but I would suggest hydrating. Start, start probably right now because – at that stadium gets hot. There's not a whole lot of circulation and fortunately it'll be a night game, but it's going to be warm. So prepare yourself. Yeah. I covered a lot of Oregon games there, but that was awesome because they were usually in October, November and you get out of the rain and into ideal weather. I also covered a Broncos preseason game in the stadium a long time ago. I think Clinton Portis was uh, making his case to start as a rookie that night. And it was sweltering hot and miserable. And this is going to be at the same time of year as that. So uh, Rob, I I've seen some early projections from uh, outlets about the 2024 mountain West football. And as usual, I've seen guys have Wyoming at five and seven, that sort of thing. I, I get it. They lost their coach. They lost their quarterback, but it's really poor research. I mean, my guess is they're looking at, Oh, at, at Arizona state loss, BYU loss, I don't think people realize that, yes, they have a hard schedule. Yes, they're playing, I guess you would consider, you know, Washington State, borderline power five team as well. They have a hard schedule, but those are winnable games if you're on top of it, as we saw with Texas Tech last year. I just think it, it's lazy analysis. You know, it goes back to what we talked about, um, and I'll, I'll – reiterate my excitement about um, the offensive coordinator it goes back to what we talked about everyone that was up in arms about him getting hired because of what happened last year at Michigan state. Um, I actually heard, I didn't remember this or I didn't realize it, but I, I a bunch of us were talking to coach Savelle and he told us that after when everything blew up with Mel Tucker last year, um, not only was the program in disarray in terms of coaching, but their, their big official uh, name, image and likeness brand, immediately suspended the NLI money for all the players at Michigan state. And so another reason why you have to throw out last year at Michigan state, um, because you know, it just, it, it, it's an anomaly. And so, but it's an, an example of sort of poor research and lazy research and analysis. And I think that's what's happening with these preseason projections for Wyoming next season. I think they're a top three team next season with that defense coming back. I think Svoboda is going to be fantastic. Um, I, I just, and there's so much continuity. We didn't lose anyone in the transfer portal that, um, n no disrespect for the people that jumped into the portal, but nobody that matters, um, in terms of the team's chance to be successful, but best of luck to all those young men. But, um, this team is, has as much continuity going into next season as anyone. And that's kind of crazy to say when you lose your head coach and your starting quarterback, but the deep dive analysis is that it's true. Yeah, they. It's not a total new. It's not a totally new system, and that's the yeah. great thing about bringing him in. And we might throw the ball a little bit more, but in terms of a whole new package, a whole new plan, a game, new faces to know on the coaching staff, the continuity's there. So yeah, I'm, I'm with Rob on that one. Yeah, and they they lost a linebacker to the portal named Caden Hawkins, who had played sparingly on special teams, uh, to Louisiana Tech. DQ James is still in the portal. Obviously, he was already kicked off the team before. The portal opened. Uh, Colby Taylor 
uh, went to Vandy, you could say, oh, wow, he's going to the SEC. I mean, sources have told me, and he was benched for the final two games, and I think fans saw his demeanor on the field, you know, with the over-the-top jawing at opponents and coaches they were probably going to kick him off the team this spring anyway. Vanderbilt didn't call any of the coaches to ask about him. So I hope the kid does well because he is super talented and he's going to get a chance, obviously, to cover some elite players in the SEC. But, you know, they're adding Evan Eller, a linebacker from a VMI, who's one of the most productive players in the FCS. Um, you know, obviously, they're losing Easton Gibbs, so that adds some depth. That th This kid can play safety or – uh, linebacker, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. And then they add Tyler King, a wide receiver from Texas Tech with, you know, borderline Olympic track speed. So it'll be interesting to see what other pieces they add. Uh, signing day is next Wednesday, the traditional signing day. Uh, most of the hay is in the barn with the December signing class. But, uh, it, you know, I'm looking forward to covering spring football, and, and we'll have more on football as we get closer to that, but it's basketball season guys. And I have to admit, I wanted football season to go on as long as possible. Cause I was not that excited about covering basketball after covering the uh, debacle that was last season for Jeff Linder's program. But I tell you what, I think Jeff Linder is borderline coach of the year right now in the mountain West. It's going to go to the Utah state coach, but this team is coming together and the win over Colorado State is one of the all-time wins I've ever seen in any sport live. Uh, the athletic, or no, Ken Palm, when Wyoming went down 11 with a minute 11 left, their uh, win probability was 0.2%, according to Ken Palm. Uh, so, uh, Brett, I know you were probably watching just, or did you shut the TV off? And what do you think about what's going on right now with this team? I was awful close, but no, I hung in there and um, that was amazing. I mean, that was, that was fun. And the thing I like the most, and I'll be, I'll be very transparent with this team. If you look at some of the legends of Laredice text threads from way back when I said, what's the over under for wins for this team six or seven. I mean, I, I didn't expect this at all. And I was so wrong and I'm so happy that I'm wrong. And it's, it just shows you the kind of coach that Jeff Linder is to be able to bring an entirely new group of kids, get them together. It's amazing what happens when you've got the culture, right. When you've got the chemistry, right. And you're seeing what's happening on the, on the court. But what I liked the most about that game was the fans. I mean, the, the place was filled and that goes so far. Not only does it get the kids excited, it gets them jacked up, but just the recruiting benefits. I mean, it, that video was all over the place. Everybody was talking about what a comeback it was. The place was filled. I saw the videos you should, you shot from press row. That stuff goes so a long ways. And I hope the fans realize the impact they have in building a program and getting to where it needs to be. And I hope they continue to show out like they did last Saturday. Yeah, it was a really good crowd. Uh, the best probably since uh, the border war two years earlier when the David Roddy missed the free throw and they stormed the court and Rob, I know you were there, but but to Brett's point about the exposure, I mean, Scott Van Pelt had basically a five-minute part two of Bad Beats that was all about the Wyoming CSU game, and they broke the whole thing down. I had even, I mean, I was, I had to send in a story for AP because uh, Colorado State was ranked in the AP poll, so I was literally, my head was down, deleting, rewriting, uh, you know, I had CSU winning, obviously, and was about to send it to AP, just waiting for the final buzzer. So I'm rewriting, and I kind of missed that 
you know, Cam Mania was probably out of bounds when he <laughs> dove on the floor and called timeout. Um, the la the missed free throws were they made it look like they weren't trying to miss them on purpose, but they were perfectly done. And it's obviously luck to get the rebounds. Uh, I actually thought that the last one did go off of the Colorado State player. Initially, they said it was off of Wenzel. They reviewed it. Uh, I know CSU fans and some of their media disagree and say it was off of Wenzel, but I, I actually thought it was off the Colorado State guy. And once it was, and all three officials pointed Wyoming ball, I just had a feeling that Hot was going to hit a three or something crazy was going to happen. Uh, it, it turns out Mason Walters ties the score and then caught as a four point play in OT to win it. Uh, Rob, what was it like being there in, in the front row going crazy? You were at a bunch of other games where there was no fans there. It had to be uh, enjoyable and, and kudos to you for not leaving because some people were exiting. I don't think we started to even realize that Wyoming might win the game. Um, until that call, until that call with, you know, a second and a half left, because after, and you're right in your story, but after Clifford made that jumper for CSU to go up by 11, there was, I think a minute and 11 left or something like that. Wyoming came down and it was really, really deliberate. It took like 20 seconds to run a play. They got it into Walters and then he hit that turnaround sort of layup, but it took 21 seconds to run that play. The clock was down to 50 seconds. So I mean, I just thought that they were just trying to run a few plays um, just to, you know, get the reps in. It did, didn't seem like they were in a hurry. But then that Manyao steal, and he, it looked like he was out of bounds, just kind of changed everything. Um, it was incredible. It was so exciting. And I have to, I you know, I'll go back to the texts if you guys want me to, but I told you Mason <laughs> Walter was a difference maker. I said that before his first game. That guy is a legitimate superstar at the division one level imagine if he would have played division one more than just this year i know everyone everyone loves that sort of turnaround play at the buzzer to send it to overtime but don't forget about that rebound that he got on the the miss by um griffin on the third free throw because he was hooked he only had one arm available to him and he came around and got that rebound that guy's a stud and uh we heard before the season started that linder was going to run his offense through him and I know we were talking about like, seriously, or is that what they're going to do? And that's what they do. They get the ball to him in the post. And if you don't double team him, he scores. And if you double team him, then they kick the ball out and move it around for a three. And this is, I get excited when I talk about the pokes because I love this basketball team as much as I've loved the team in a while. They're just gritty and exciting. Yeah. It's really, there any, it's really too bad any, that Walters missed the non-conference because this is a completely different team than non-conference and because of the non-conference stumbles, you know, they're going to have to win the Mountain West tournament to go to the NCAA tournament. But if he would have been around for the non-conference and they would have, you know, picked off some of the teams they lost to uh, or competed better at Texas and BYU, maybe steal one of those. I mean, I'm not saying that's probable, but it's just too bad. But now that he is with the team, uh, I can tell you that Mountain West teams do not want to see the Pokes in Las Vegas or, you know, especially in Laramie right now. I mean, they're tied with San Diego State in the standings. They're ahead of Colorado State. These are teams that have at-large resumes. So uh, it's really quite a credit to uh, Linder and these guys for coming together. Um, Walters was terrific again on Tuesday night at Clune Arena as Wyoming really put on an offensive clinic and beat Air Force. Uh, for their first road win of the year. 
Uh, three guys over 20 points. Wenzel, career high, 25 points. Uh, Quell Cott already had hit two game winners before the Colorado State game. Another 20 at Air Force. And the best part is Sam Griffin was under the weather, hardly did anything at Air Force, and they still won handily. So this is a dangerous team, Brett. Um, I, I don't know with your new job if you're going to be able to sneak over to Thomas and Mac, but uh, the teams on the bubble – when they if they have to face Wyoming at Thomas and Mac, they're going to be quite nervous. Yeah, and let's not forget how good they looked in the first half at San Diego State, and then you know if not for that little run, who knows what happens there? But no, I mean the Mountain West is solid. I'm in the heart of Pac-12 country down here, and Mountain West basketball, you're going to get more teams in than the Pac-12 is. Um, but it's fun to see what the conference is doing. Does the um, Brown and Gold have any Big Shot Cot shirts on sale yet? And if not, why not? Yeah, they need to get the cod jersey going. That's the crazy thing about this team, Rob, is Mason Walters and Cot and Griffin are only going to be here one year. But if they do something special or keep doing things that are special into March, they're going to be remembered. And I think that'll be a huge selling point on the recruiting trail this spring. I mean, let's face it, in today's world, almost every team reloads every year with massive uh, churn. There's going to be D2 guys, you know, maybe even lower level D1 guys that aren't in a conference as good as the Mountain West. They're going to sign up for Linder. It speaks volumes about Linder that he can get a team um, put together like this that plays with this kind of continuity because they're, they're a legitimate. This is a team approach. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes they run that four low and just let Cot go one on one, but that's just you know that's part of it. He's not he's not a ball hog by any stretch. Nobody on that team is a ball hog. They're just they're they're a good team. I talked to Mason's parents after the game, and they said that he just loves the team, just just that group of guys. And so it proves that you can come in in one year and have that kind of success. And don't forget about. These last few games, especially, we've seen a different Caden Powell and we've seen a different um, Koyanets than we saw earlier in the season. They're starting to play with more of a, a post presence. They're starting to play stronger, go up with the ball stronger. I think that has a little bit to do, at least, with watching Walters play in the post and seeing how, how you can be successful. And then, so we, we're going to have to reload next year, but with Powell coming back and Koyanets hopefully coming back, Manya hopefully sticks around, and then Combs. Uh, we didn't get to see a lot of Combs uh, earlier in the year because he was, I think, eighth or ninth in the rotation. But when he's in, he's a pretty electric basketball player, too. So, yeah, they'll have to reload and probably bring in five or six or seven new guys. But there's a, there's some good guys that are going to be around from this team next year. Yeah, with Kobe Newton being out, with a, he had a pretty serious infection, I guess, and was hospitalized. And Jeff Linder doesn't know if he'll be able to play again this season. But Kale Combs comes in, and he is a really talented player. The minutes he's getting, he's very impressive. He had, you know, a really <laughs> amazing dunk against Colorado State. Uh, him and Cam Maniau, I mean, this NIL world, they're probably going to get phone calls. Uh, they're both from Missouri. You don't know. Someone's going to say, oh, we missed on those guys. But if Wyoming can convince them to stay and build around them, they could be special players. And it'll be up to them and their families you know, do you want to go to a power five and get in an NIL or do you want to stay at Wyoming and stay in this Mountain West conference and play in NCAA tournaments and, you know, be the star of a whole state? Uh, that'll be interesting. But that's kind of the battles you fight, you know, after the season. Right now, I think this team's pretty locked in on on what's ahead. And Brett, what's ahead is at UNLV, 
Uh, Wyoming has lost 19 in a row at to, to the Rebels at in the Thomas and Mac. Uh, in terms of the regular season, now they did beat them in the Mount West tournament, you know, in the same arena a couple of years ago. But uh, why why can't Wyoming win at UNLV? It's not like UNLV is Tarkanian UNLV in the last 19 years. I don't know. I've never won in Las Vegas either, so I'm the wrong person to ask. But um, it's just, well, I mean, they've had some good teams and had some bad breaks, and we'll see what happens the next time they go there. But I think this is such a new team. They're probably not going in there thinking, God, this team hasn't won for so long. They may not even know about it. So new team, new season. Let's see what happens. And this yeah. UNLV team, like, how, I don't understand this team. How did they lose by 30 points at home to Air Force? <laughs> And then easily yep. handle New Mexico. I mean, there. Th- this is this is a year when we might be able to beat UNLV. I mean, they're only nine and nine and two and four in the conference, so it's not like they're loaded with talent. No, I mean we struggle down there, of course, but this could be the year. Yeah, it could be. It's a strange team, like you mentioned. They gave up a million backdoor layups and a million point five threes to Air Force, and were just humiliated by Air Force. Uh, but then they go. Before that, they went to Boise State and ended the nation's longest home winning streak. Uh, they lost to Utah State on a five-point play. They had the number one team on the ropes. So, yeah, Saturday night, 6 p.m., I can tell you this. I don't know if Wyoming will win or lose, but I think they're going to be in the game, and I think UNLV, uh, will, even if UNLV gets off to a fast start like they did against Fresno, they were up 20-5 to five against Fresno State. Fresno came back and had a chance to – do something at the end, just miss some open threes. So I think UNLV will keep Wyoming in the game and Wyoming's got to take this one. And if they do look out, they have New Mexico and Utah state at home after that. So it could get really exciting as far as the race goes. Uh, Before I get you. Hey, if you can, if you can cut into an 11 point lead in 45 seconds, anything is possible. So let's just hang their hat on that and just think, you never know what's going to happen with this squad. That's right. And if Sam Griff is healthy, you can get all four of your scores going at the same time. You know, I, I remember even uh, the uh, the uh, Marcus Bailey, Josh Davis teams that were so great. I remember they lost at UNLV like 101, 100 one time. I think Wyoming could make it that type of game like they did against Nevada and outlast these guys, but we'll see. Uh, Rob, I know uh, you've been – following the Cowgirls closely. Uh, speaking of UNLV, they lost a really tough game at the reigning champion Rebels uh, the other night on Wednesday night. I mean, they had a chance to win, even though they were two for 19 from three and Ferdig had six points. Their defense was outstanding. They just couldn't buy a bucket. I actually think this bodes well for Wyoming. The second half of the season starts now. UNLV still has to come here. New Mexico, the only other real contender right now, has to come to Laramie as well. I think they're going to be in the mix to the very end and could still win the regular season. And the other night, as disappointing as it was, it proved that UNLV is not immortal this year. I was really pleased with the way the Cowgirls played. I I came away from that game thinking we're going to beat UNLV later on this year. Um, I didn't necessarily think I would say that before the game. Um, they did a fair Desiree Young is, is tough to stop, and um, and she did a great job defending Ferdig. But Ferdig's not going to score in single digits the next time or the next two times these guys play. Um, I think the most impressive thing for me about that game, yeah, that Ferdig didn't score that many points. We shot terrible from the arc, 
And then in the fourth quarter, we went on that like seven minute drought on the road in, in a pretty packed Cox Pavilion and fell down by 12 points and then got it all the way back down to three. A lot of teams, if they're down by 12 with three minutes left at UNLV, they lose by 20. And the way that Wyoming fought to get back in that game and legitimately had a chance to pull it off makes me think this UNLV Lady Rebels team is pretty beatable. I, I love this Wyoming Cowgirls team. They've got talents all over the floor. And uh, they're not going to shoot two for 19 next time they play UNLV and Furtick is not going to only score six or eight points. So I mark my words. I think Wyoming beats UNLV later on this year. Yeah, obviously their non-conference, they had all their players, but it was more about they played a really difficult schedule. So they absorbed a lot of losses and, and kind of get lost in the shuffle. But now that they're in Mountain West play, I really don't see them losing hardly at all during the second half of the season. Uh, they play Nevada on Saturday at the Arena Auditorium. Uh, Nevada is a team that doesn't match up well with Wyoming. Then they play Utah State at home, the last place team. Meanwhile, UNLV right now goes to New Mexico on Saturday at the pit, and the Lobos already beat them in Las Vegas and beat Wyoming in Albuquerque. So that's why there's kind of a three-way log jam at the top. So uh, in theory, Wyoming could win on Saturday, New Mexico could win, and we'll have a three-way tie for first with eight games left. So uh, that's kind of exciting. Uh, any parting shots, Brett, before we get you out of here? Yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't congratulate Tim Harkins on a great career at the University of Wyoming. Uh, for those who don't know, he's kind of been – he's the guy in the sports information office who has done it a very long time, took over for Kevin McKinney. He was there my last year of college. That shows you how long he's been doing it, and a great ambassador for not only the university but the entire state of Wyoming. Uh, sports information, it's a thankless job in college athletics, and you do a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and if it doesn't get done, the athletic department doesn't do it, doesn't promote it, all the, the student-athletes, the teams, the coaches, everybody, and did it really well. So uh, kudos to him on a great career and wish Tim all the best in his retirement. Yeah, and obviously uh, Tim kind of uh, transitioned to that lead role when Kevin McKinney uh, became more of an associate athletic dress director instead of a SID, and now Nick Seaman uh, will take over for Tim. He's been in the program for a while, and to your point about all the, those guys do, I mean, I saw Seaman directing traffic before the, the Cowgirls game when they had all the bust-in bust students from all the elementary schools come in. So they do a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, I remember Tim started in 1991 at Wyoming, and I was uh, a student then, and I was at the Branding Iron, and uh, I assume it was Tim, maybe it was Kevin, but one of them set me up with a one-on-one -on -one interview with Joe Tiller to do, do a big profile on Joe Tiller, the new coach that nobody knew anything about other than he had a pretty good offense. So uh, we go back a long ways. Tim's a great guy and uh, good luck to him in the future. Uh, Rob, are you going to be able to come over to the Cowgirls game or are you busy? Well, I'm hoping to be able to come over for it. As you know, my daughter's a, a theater addict and the, the men of Broadway are playing the Cheyenne little theater on Saturday night for a fundraiser. I don't know what men of Broadway is, but I know she wants to go to it, but I think it's at six. So my plan is to come over because the cowgirls are in the afternoon, I think. So my plan is to come over and, and watch them play. And yes, my uh, congratulations to Tim Harkins as well. A lot of people don't know that 
Um, I used to be a sports writer, just like you, Ryan. Of course, we kind of grew up being sports writers for the Branding Iron. And then we worked together at the Casper Star Tribune back in the 90s. And I remember Tim very well being one of the most accommodating, friendly, just nicest guys in the sports department when I would come and cover Cowgirls volleyball back in 96, 97, uh, working for the Casper Star. So a very well-deserved retirement for a really good guy. All right, everybody. Yeah, the Cowgirls are at 2 p.m. Uh, if you're going to the Men of Broad Broadway, you can follow me on Twitter. I'll have updates. Uh, then the men are at 6 at UNLV. I'll have updates of that. And I'll obviously all of the coverage at Trib.com. Thanks for tuning in. Tell a friend, and we'll talk to you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.